One thing I find with the Australians is I never get any negativity. And I just think that is, I think, something everyone could learn from. Seriously, just never get any negativity or any rude anything from anybody in Australia. And I love it. Hello and welcome to the next episode of The Podcast, a cannabis podcast for budding enthusiasts. On this episode, we're excited to have the other half of the mad combo, Mrs. Mad herself. But as always, this episode was brought to us by our sponsors, Seeds Here Now. You know them, they're the best. They got mad farming gear. Probably going to want to hit that up by the end of this. Check them out. 420 Australia, number one 420 lifestyle, no questions. OGS, if you want that top shelf, it's that simple. Let's get into it, guys. Alrighty, so a big thank you and welcome to other half of the Deadly Mad duo, Mrs. Mad. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, a little mix up to the normal question. What are you currently smoking? Hmm. Well, um, right now, I just finished smoking a joint of the Rainbow SSOG by Smellboat Seeds, actually. So... Is that is that some like sneaky product placement that's been popping up everywhere? Is this intentional? No, actually, it's not. I just happened to sit down and roll a joint. I I actually haven't been smoking a whole lot of flour lately. I've been smoking mostly concentrates. Um, we haven't had any of our own dry flour for a while because we've been pretty busy lately with everything going on. Um, but no, I was lucky. My brother-in-law gifted me some of his concentrates and some of his uh, dry flour. So I figured I'd twist it up and sample it. And no so- sneaky placement. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I wouldn't think so. Anyway, it's it's great. I was lucky enough to be able to try it. But the, the question that I really want to ask, so are you like a joints person primarily? Depends. Um, I, just, I just like to honestly smoke. Um, but like I said, daily, lately, most of the time throughout the day, I smoke concentrates. Um, right now I have, uh, some extreme cream from the Genizen project. They're, uh, some local friends of ours. It's actually really good. Um, and then a friend of ours named Bang Mingo, he's gifted me some um it's like from dragon scale emerald dragon out of humboldt county it's a yeti og uh, live resin it's really good uh killer and so do you find that you would you would smoke flour exclusively if you could or you very much like concentrates as well if if i'm if i have a chance to smoke flour it would most likely have to be ours. Um, I am. I'm really picky when it comes to dry flour. Um, I don't know. It just has to be right. I don't like harshness. Ugh. I don't like my throat throat to burn. I hate to cough. I don't want to choke from what I'm smoking. So in my personal experience, dry flowers, my best best bet is going with whatever we've grown personally. But concentrates, if we don't have, like I said, if we're out and we don't have access to something, any one of um, our good friends usually have some really killer concentrates that I can get. 
or like I said, I got like a couple of buds that were gifted to to me by uh, Smell Boat Seeds, which is nice. For sure. Okay. And so now let's go all the way back. What was your first experience with cannabis? Oh my gosh. Um, honestly, I don't even know if I can specifically remember my very first experience with cannabis as far as cannabis itself. Um, smoking wise, I was young. Um, I almost hate saying some of this stuff out loud because <laughs> I was, I was really young. Um, sixth grade probably. Uh, couldn't tell you what it was because back when nobody really named anything and they all had real generic names. Um, everybody called it green bud chronic. It, it, it was kind of, uh, it's not like it is now once prop Two Fifteen in California, um, went into motion here and there was, um, obviously a market for it. That's when it seemed like strain names became something that was real prevalent until then though, it was pretty much called, um, Green bud, skunk, <laughs> nothing really had a recognizable name like it does today. So when you were growing up, it sounds like cannabis was rather prevalent. Did you grow up in the Emerald Triangle? Uh, no, we're, everybody always asks us like, where are you from? What, you know, where do you live specifically? And I could tell you specifically, but nobody ever really knows where we're from. It's a very small town. Um, I've been in California my whole life. Uh, as were with Matt, he traveled a bit as a kid, but I have. I've been pretty much in, like, the Central Valley area my entire life. Um, but, yeah, cannabis has been, uh, for as long as I could remember, I was really young. I can even remember, um, as Matt has stories about his his parents when they were kids, uh, I think my, my dad hid it a little bit better. Um, they didn't really smoke a whole lot in front of us when we were really small, but I do remember a couple of times seeing some plants growing in our backyard when I was a real small child. Okay. And so at what age were you when you first heard of like the first breeders and who was the first breeder you'd ever heard of? Oh my gosh. You know, I don't know because I would say... For me personally, like as far as breeders and the whole community, I've never been seriously fascinated. Um, like the way Matt is, he he has an insane brain for it. He remembers anything and everything he's ever read or heard or any research he's ever done. He, I mean, he has just an amazing brain for it. Um, but me, I've never actually had a specific. Um, interest or draw or any of that to like hunt as far as who who all is in our community I feel kind of like a jerk because I was saying we were at, we just went to um the Indo Expo, Expo in San Francisco and I feel like a jerk because I really don't know anybody I don't spend much time online I'm pretty much a homebody and I spend most of my time with either my family or my plants so it's like I don't I've never really, uh, I don't spend all my time doing research on who's in the community and who does what. I focus mainly on what we do here um, and on our own projects and in our own house. So, like, I don't even remember when I was a kid and like pot was on the scene. I don't even remember uh, talk about pot breeders. It was really something that I learned a lot about um, once 
Mad started taking like a massive interest in really learning about cannabis, that's when I started to really just learn anything. Like any real true knowledge there was to learn, I learned from him. Before that, I would say it was all probably just wives' tales and probably junk, really. <laughs> yeah, I think we've all been fed one or two of those wives' tales before. Oh yeah, and there's there's there are there's so many of them, and with cannabis, like the entire almost the entire industry seems to be kind of built on that in some way, shape, or form. So, yeah, like my knowledge, anything, um, anything that I have, it, it I'm lucky. I was blessed to learn directly from him, and he just has an amazing mind. So I never really got involved in the like I know a lot of people do. They spend a lot of time online, and they spend a lot of time researching strains and breeders and all of that I I don't I don't have the time for it and I never really had a massive interest in it nor have I had a massive interest in searching um, the information on lots of different strains only what I'm currently interested in at the time I just don't have the space for it so if we were to say take a step back what was the first strain that you and Mad were maybe growing together that kind of really got you enwrapped in the whole saga of it all? Oh, my gosh. Um, we actually have some pretty funny, like really interesting stories. Um, the very first few plants that I can remember, like specifically remember him growing, they were actually outdoors, and I don't even think they had names, to be honest. Uh, I, I can't even remember how we went about getting them. Um, we, we pretty much, you know, now that we've been growing for, I don't know, 20 some odd years longer, I'm not sure, but around there, um, you, you, you get to where you have to keep notebooks. Uh, so I would have to like go dig and try to figure out when and what, but back then I think those three plants he had, I don't even think they had names, but he was growing those outdoors at the time. But as far as like when he really took, um, like, I knew we would be growing for the rest of our lives when he first locked down that lavender plant. Um, it was pretty crazy. He, I remember the day he brought him home. Um, it was a weird day because I, at the time, I had a full-time job. I was working a full-time job, and that day when I was at work, I got a phone call. And they tell me that my identity had been stolen. Somebody was using my social security number and my full name. And they were basically using my information to obtain employment. So um, this particular day when I got home from work, I did what most people would do in the situation. I had to call the police department and file a report. And we had a police officer standing in our living room taking this police report from me. And he comes walking in the door with um, his lavender cuts. They were in a brown paper bag. He had gotten from like a, our, you know, our, our small circle of friends that we had back back when. And yeah, he walks in the door with those, and it was um it was actually Valentine's Day. And he walks in the door with them. It was kind of awkward, but of course the police officer in our house he has no idea what what he has because they're in a brown paper bag. But it's just one of those things that you remember forever because that really was the strain. Um, that started his major interest and his complete love and passion for cannabis and learning about um, the benefits that it's given to not just him and me, but a lot of people that we know as far as like a medicinal use. Yeah, of course. And so how did the Urkel then get in your possession? Oh, that came super short after. Um, 
see, this is one of those things, um, like as far as like the, a lot of research being done. Um, like I said, he took, Mad took such an interest in really learning about just cannabis and proper ways to grow it and the, you know, the ways to go about getting like the best flavors, most resins and like just all this stuff that he had such a fascination for. And, um, he was reading a lot about, I don't know, you can call them rumors, whatever the stories that were going around at the time about Urkel and lavender and how they were, um, said at the time to be the same. And he was dead set in proving that they weren't. Uh, and again, we had this small circle of friends and, um, our friend at the time was super interested in scoring the lavender that we had. And of course, Mad wanted the Urkel that he had. So we, um, tight circle, keeping, keeping things amongst ourselves. Uh, we had agreed we were, we were actually going to give him a cut of our lavender, which never turned out to happen. Um, but we got the Urkel and we've had her ever since. And I want to say that was just like maybe a couple months possibly after we scored that lavender, but we've had them ever since. And, um, he was just dead set on proving they were different and that they were not only different, but different enough and worth hanging on to both of them as different cuts for, you know, for as long as we've had them. And how come the other guy didn't get the lavender? Mm. Oh, yeah. He shortly after went to prison. Oh. It just, the, the <laughs> yeah. So he's, we, we, yeah, he's gone. We haven't seen him or heard from him in years. Uh, I yeah. believe he's still in prison. But yeah, just one of those unfortunate events. You know how things go when you, in this business, especially if you're someone who may not necessarily be careful. Um, yeah, he was, um, a good friend of Mads and known him for a long time. And, um, they made that little deal and, um, we hadn't, it, you know, it was one of those things we hadn't taken cuts yet and he had his, so we got the Urkel and we hadn't taken the lavender cuts yet. And before we had gotten to take it, he had gone, gone to prison. So he, yeah. that's how it turned out. And lucky for us, we had, we preserved both of them because Matt and I were just talking about this the other day. If it were, if it would have turned out any other way, this person that were, you know, this person that we're talking about who ended up in prison, he likely wouldn't have even hung on to um, the Urkel cut because he was much, <laughs> his interest, kind of funny, was much like people today, you know, they move on to the next strain. They, no one really hangs on to anything. It's really funny. And we did. We, we hung on to him this whole time. So I guess the question I'd love to know then is what project or what strain was it that really got you involved in it? Because it sounds like Mad kind of had the the reins of the the chariot up until this point. Like at what point did you really kind of become like a 50-50 in the partnership, which we know now? Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's a crazy story, actually. Um, well, because I, I, don't, I don't have a full-time job anymore, but at the time... I was working a full-time job, one that was extremely stressful. Oh, I don't even know how I did it. Um, but I was a manager in retail and, um, I was on a, just a, a short vacation. Just a, I took a couple of day vacation. I want to say maybe two days backed with, uh, two more days to get like a total of a week long. And, uh, we had gone out to dinner and come home, and Mad was out back with our dog, playing with him. 
And just one of those things, he pulled something we think, not sure, but, you know, he has a long uh, history with health problems with his lupus and whatnot. And uh, he started to not feel good instantly after this. And I knew he was sick, but I wasn't exactly sure what was going on. Long story short, short, he ended up having to go to the emergency room. He was in really bad shape and they admitted him pretty quickly they had a lot of specialists come in and they ended up having to do like um, an emergency surgery on him. They opened him up and had to figure out what was going on with him. And they even at the time had told us that he was likely to die. They had had us call in all of the family and do that whole bit. And he was in extremely bad shape. And we had um, an entire set of plants, full blown flower, needing care. And I didn't have a choice but to do it. And it wasn't really my thing. Like I said, I was stressed. I worked a full-time job, and we have a daughter, of course. And I um, I would help him, you know, on anything that he needed. But at this particular time, um, I just didn't have a choice. He was in the hospital, and he couldn't do anything about it. And he ended up being in there for, like, almost a month. So I had no choice but to care for everything we had um, running at the time. And I kind of, uh, with my personality, just adopted, um, I don't know, I kind of like to have control. So once he got home, I had a hard time giving giving him back his space. I (laughs) just, I wanted to be in there. I, I felt like I needed to have input on everything, which I'm sure just annoyed him to no end because he's thinking you're telling me what to do and this is my space you've cared for for a month but yeah it's like I just really enjoyed it I found that I liked it more than I thought and um, eventually like work started to stress me out to the point where um, I just between that and with Mad's health it was so bad it was just easier if I were home to help him with what he needed help with and I, it made me just a better all-around mom to be home instead of giving my time to a full-time position that I wasn't able to really keep up. And so helping him with the plants, that's how I ended up getting thrown into it is that is how it happened. I got thrown into it and didn't have a choice. And lucky for me, he's um, he's a wicked record keeper and he has stacks and stacks of books with dates and Every day he does something, he writes notes and he gives a solid explanation for why he does what he does. And that's how I learned. And um, once he got out of the hospital, he obviously needed my help for uh, a while afterwards. Just his recovery alone was like a solid year. Um, But yeah, he just over the time taught me and I've taken over small things here and there like I am insisting I do all of our cuts. I just have a a preference, and I am. I'm a, con- I'm a control freak, so I like to have control of things. That's how I ended up doing what I do. <laughs> yeah, no, I can, I can see where you're coming from. So what was the first strain that you were involved in the creation of? Because I guess I'm kind of wondering, was this all happening before the creation of, say, the Triple E Wicked, or was it after that, just as a general timeline? Uh, you know, I've always had some kind of, some type of influence. Um, uh, what I, you know, when we, when we, when we decided, like when we started breeding 
um, initially, it wasn't even about like breeding for anybody. We were doing it really for ourselves. And like I said, Mad had like this interest in the comparison of, you know, what are the true differences between Urkel and Lavender? Can you see it in their offspring? And so, yeah, like this was his project that he took on and that's where it started. But you have to remember, like I was his the person that gets to sit there while he bounces all these crazy ideas off of. So I'm always present listening to, you know, what he thinks we should do. Um, and then of course he always asks my input. Um, I had, I, I think the T-Dub and the PJ lines particularly are his babies. But for me, my, one of my most hands-on, I would say is probably our Clementine selection, the Clementine male. That one for me was definitely my baby because originally he had no interest in it and he wanted to kill it. And I just insisted no, that he was definitely a keeper. And I just, there was just something about him. He was amazing and he ended up becoming a really solid project. And so that's one that I would say is pretty much more mine, I'd say, than his. That's a really good point for us to jump off on because... One of the questions we had submitted by our Patreon fans was, why is uh, the Urkel cross Clementine called Mrs. Mad's Bubba? Is it like, for example, because you think it it's like a good representation of Bubba in seed form? Or is it like, what's the backstory? Well, I, okay. So first off, never was really a fan of naming strains, just to kind of put that out there. Never thought I'd do it. Honestly, swore I never would, but the time came and we had to obviously start naming things. So we did. That's actually not as easy as you think. Um, I, I don't, I don't really particularly like it, but with that strain, um, like I was saying, California for us, particularly, we started with the uh, prop two fifteen, And when back when we had a bunch of dispensaries, you know, that open up and down the coastline. Um, and, one of a really one of the common cuts that was always floating around was the, the Bubba Kush, and when we started searching through, when we were doing our own um, searching and testing of the these particular beans, we had noticed that in this particular this particular strain, the um, Urkel by Clementine, it was showing tendencies and a a physical appearance that did it looked a lot like the Bubba Kush and I honestly thought that it was even had a little bit more of a better flavor um I would say probably because of our Urkel um but that's actually where it came from plus the need obviously (laughs) to name strains but that's just how it, it does it comes about in that way we when you're when you're growing them, you're looking at all of um, the traits that they express, and that that particular strain showed a lot of um, it just it looked like a, a Bubba Kush, and um, I don't know, I kind of thought it, it it was a bit better myself, but you know, I'm that's a biased opinion, of course. And so, how do you, how do you feel about the original Bubba? Are you just not like the biggest fan, or no, no, I liked it. Um, you know, we obviously don't don't have it, but um, no, I I obviously I did I liked it, or I wouldn't have looked to try and make something that 
you know, resembled in some way, shape, or form, or was like my spinoff version of that. That's like basically, you know, what we're, we're always trying to do. We're always trying to put something out. We're always looking to do something better, hopefully. Yeah, of course. And so, do you like to approach a project with a very kind of preconceptualized idea of what you're trying to do, or are you more so happy to just kind of you know, trial things out, and if something hits a winner, you're like, great, let's <clears throat> pursue that. Well, I, I don't know. I think there's a kind of a fair amount of both, really. Um, we could sit and talk, you know, plans all night long, um, and we actually do. We will sit. I, I tell them, this is another reason why we're like the house of notebooks, because we will sit and try to write things down, and you, you jot your ideas down, because... As fast as they come, you also lose them if you don't, you know, write them down somewhere. But we do. We talk about what we think would match up well. Um, we think about what we would like to maybe hunt for, uh, say, male in, in the future. Or maybe, like, what what we're looking for both male and female in. What do we want to, like, hunt? And we're always hunting. We're always um, testing something uh, that we're not growing something without, you know, we're always looking through something, but yeah, we're always keeping in mind. Um, we're always looking to make, you know, what, what's the next strain that we can possibly make? What would be good pairing up and always looking to make something better. It, there's no point in doing it if you're not otherwise. So a question I love to ask people, you mentioned, you know, you're always looking to pop new things, find new things. What's the next thing you're most excited or going to pop to look through? Hmm. Well, um, gosh, see, I don't, I'm not really sure. Um, I know, <laughs> I don't see, I'm not, I don't know how much I can say. I got to be kind of careful here because I don't like to give away too much. Um, I know we're going to start looking through our T-Dub. Uh, we're going to start narrowing down some selection there i was gonna say i think i saw from maybe it was you or maybe it was mad that yeah there's gonna be like a filial release of pure t-dub yeah he's got something he's got something in, in mind um like i said he bounces ideas off me all the time but yeah his he, he's talking about his next angle he wants to really dig deep in the t-dub so um that's where he's going um I don't know. Like I said, we talk we talk ideas all the time, and we do have a new female. Well, we have two two relatively new females in our collection. Um, the Hogs Breath, which we were gifted by the Hogs Breath family, they are amazing people, by the way. Um, they gifted us that female, and we are for sure gonna take it to our Clementine male. I think that will make for something amazing for sure. Um, so we have that project at some point in the works there's that's nothing too secret everybody pretty much knows about that one um and then we did we scored a new female uh the sr71 i can't wait to see you know what she has to offer but again yes another known kind of purple strain so i was about to say that's purple kush isn't it uh-huh yes it is uh matt and i were talking about this just last night um you know how there's some things that him and I have grown before and we've really held on to things for a long time. 
There was, um, I want to say we, we had a Celine for the longest time. We had her for like six years and we just eventually, uh, cut her loose, but she was really nice. It's just, it takes a lot to, to say you're a solid keeper and can stay in our garden for that long, you know? So outside of Lavender and Urkel, what has stayed in the garden for that long? Hmm. Well, we've got SCDC would be like a close second or third. And then we've got our Clementine. Um, and that's another thing, too. We will be digging through our Clementine lines because we have F. We've got a night. We, we have F2, F3 and F4 stock of our Clementines just sitting the, the threes we've dug through a bit, but the F4s are the ones that I'm the most interested in. So those are ones I'd like to make a project of soon. But that's another one that's been in our garden for a while, um, our Clementine. Um, but Clementine, SEDC, I don't really know um, how long, like, the. I'm not really even sure how long the Urkel and Lavender have been in our garden exactly. I just know they've been in our garden since pretty much since uh, Mad got real serious about growing and um, he, you know, he knew he wasn't going to let him go. But the SEDC was the one I want to say he acquired around that same, same, same time shortly after. And then the Clementine also we've had for quite some time. Oh, Northern Lights too. I don't know why I forget her. We've had her for a long time. I want to say maybe six or seven years, possibly somewhere around that. And do you know where she comes from at all? Like your particular mm. one? Um, mm, I don't... Yeah, he was gifted. The Northern Lights was gifted to us by a friend um, of Mads. And I don't know, like, what of that... I don't know what of that he has said. I guess I should have asked him that. Um, I'm, He could tell you more on that because that was something that he actually had to direct. It was a cut that was gifted to us from um, a gentleman he met um, on one of the boards way back. Um, but like I said, we've had it for about six or seven years, but I, I honestly can't even remember his name. Yeah. I would have to ask Matt on that one. And so what are some tips or tricks you might have to just kind of keep plants healthy over the long term in the way you guys have with these cuts we're talking about um cleanliness is probably the the biggest thing that in your space cleanliness is the biggest thing that you could do no matter what cleanliness is the most important for healthy plants um airflow is also just small things um common sense with the garden seriously You'd be surprised. Apply common sense to everything you do with the plant and you'll keep it alive. <laughs> it doesn't really take that much. Um, but yeah, we try to keep um, we try to keep it as organic as possible. Mad mixes it up quite a bit when he's um, in flower. He's like a little scientist in there. Um, but as far as me, when I'm anything in veg and our mothers, or our fathers, I should say. Um, just, I do, I like to keep them as healthy as possible. Um, just control any, obviously, a, a, a clean area and 
keeping your bugs gone or out under control. Um, a, cleanliness controls all of that, believe it or not. Um, but it doesn't take much. And like I said, we use really basic products. Two of my staples would be like Dirt MD and um, C-Crop. Use those religiously. Micro MD. Love those products. And so I think you just hinted. Do you tend to more look after the fathers? Um, well, I look after pretty much anything that's in anything that's in veg. I keep those going 24/7. Um, but yeah, I do. I look after our fathers too. Do you f- what are like some tips for maintaining dads because that that's a that's a good question. Yeah, I know some people tend to I know some people have issues trying to maintain males. I, I don't. I just, um, I find if I keep them, you can keep them cut back more, which is nice. Um, I tend to keep them cut back and smaller than I would females. You can control them more that way. And um, one of the things that's really nice um, for, like I was telling Mad, when if we're going to be running um, like a pollination one of the things that I like to do is I will keep my, like if I have a couple, I always, they're always in the same space, but I always have at least three males at the, at the same time um, in any given space. But what I like to do is I won't cut on them if I know we're going to be pollinating. And the reason I won't cut on them is because they will actually compete with each other and they'll force each other to like throw pollen faster and more pollen too, which is really nice. So if we're getting ready to do something like that, like if we're going to run a pollination run, I'll leave them in there and I won't cut on them at all during that time frame because then when I do throw them in there to throw pollen, they seem to be a lot. It's like they're competitive basically and they'll throw a lot more pollen um, and they'll produce faster, which is nice. And have you ever noticed any changes over the long term to the males just because People sometimes say, I mean, so maybe this is a bad question because I'm going to completely contradict myself here, but people say when you um, maintain mothers in poor conditions, you know, over time they deteriorate. I'm wondering if a certain similarity would happen with males and how it would manifest, but I guess because, you know, you maintain things nicely, you probably wouldn't see that anyway. Yeah, but you know what? You're saying you you wouldn't think that, but... I do. I actually will. I will put plants through the paces. I will stress them out like you do. <laughs> you would not believe. I mean, to where they look ugly and sad and completely unhappy with me. But I have to do that. <laughs> it's something you have to do. You've got to know, you know, what are their limitations? What do they like? What are they tolerant to? How do they react when you do this? Um, it's something that I do. I do. I stress them out. I make them ugly. But one of the things, too, plants do. They will, I have seen, they will deteriorate, especially if they're not in, like, optimal conditions. But I've also found, too, that even though they will do that, I can turn that around also. So you kind of have to stress them. (laughs) You have to stress them to see, you know, what they do when they're stressed, how they handle a stressful situation. So you have to do that. You have to introduce that kind of environment to them. Um, But, yeah, the males do. They, I don't know, they're, they, they have obviously differences because it's a male plant versus female, but I don't know. It's kind of common sense. You you can kind of just watch them and you can learn from them as you watch them grow. It's a pretty common sense basic thing. Yeah. 
So I remember last time I spoke to Mad, he said that you guys were running hydro and organic. And then, like, does that mean you've got two different setups or like you do like a hybrid type of thing? No, from my understanding on that, um, yeah, I was wondering, I was wondering about that. And my recollection of that was he was referring to, um, because we're always in soil, but he, my understanding was he was actually referring to organics and synthetics because he does, he, he does use some synthetic nutrient lines. Um, and I believe that's what he was actually referring to. Yeah. Sorry. No, we're dirt. Synthetics, not hydro. Yeah. No. Yeah. He does. Um, he does, he does try, um, he does try to keep it as organic as possible. And now, um, from when we first really started heavily growing, it wasn't as easy. Organics weren't as big of a thing. There was a lot less um, nutrients and there were a lot less lines on the market back then. But now he has a lot more options available. And we both, uh, we're always willing to try, you know, something new. You always have somebody approaching you, asking you if you're interested in trying a product. Um, I'm always willing to try something new. Uh, I just don't like to personally take in a bunch of stuff I know I won't be able to use or I'm not going to have time to get to. Uh, but I am. I, I am always interested in something new. I, in our veg space, I always try to keep it um organic for me I find as long as I'm doing my transplanting like I should uh, I I rarely have to give them much of anything and like I said my staples are like pretty much uh, dirt MD micro MD and um, C crop and if I'm transplanting my plants appropriately and I'm maintaining everything the way I should that's pretty much all I have to do and then I throw it over and it's it's in Mad's hands at that point I give him big, healthy plants, and then he gets to go from there. <laughs> nice. And so, do you ever like to do flower runs of your own, or are you just happy with the end product you get already? Everything that we do, we do as a team. I, I'm super lucky. I would say he is too. <laughs> um, <laughs> but everything we do, we do as a team. Um, we do always have something going. Always. There's never a time when there aren't plants growing in our space and um it's kind of funny because our daughter was in here the other day and she's like you know most people grow up on house plants me pot plants <laughs> it's just kind of funny yeah you know she's she's been around them her whole life since the day she was born she's known the pot plant so it's kind of funny because like we too we grew up with house plants not pot plants but she's grown up with pot plants, so. <laughs> had that, that proper upbringing. <laughs> yeah, proper upbringing, but hey, must be, right? Because she's like, a, she walks around carrying a 4.5 grade point average. Still must good. Be, <laughs> must be doing something pretty all right. <laughs> so, something I was meant to ask you earlier, but we'll just loop back on quickly. I wanted to know, so you, you mentioned which stock you guys were interested to pop from yourself, but this one could be real, could be hypothetical. If you had to, or maybe you already are planning on it, popping stock from another breeder, who would it be? Oh, my gosh. See, that's a hard question. And, too, I don't want to offend anybody, but that is, like, such a massive list to choose from. Off the top of my head, because this isn't off the top of my head sort of question here, 
No one's going to hold you accountable, don't worry. No, I know. No, I'm, I'm sure they'll all hate me in silence. Um, no, just with you asking that question in the moment, I have a serious interest in obviously playing around with some of Duke Diamond's gear. <laughs> I just yeah. do. Can't help it, but I do. Um, uh, one of our friends, like I was saying earlier, Bang Mingo, he's one of my, he's my go-to concentrates guy right now when I'm desperate. He always hooks me up. Um, he's been growing some of Duke Diamond's gear, and he's actually growing our gear in there, too. And his plants, I mean, everything coming out of uh, Duke's stable is gorgeous. So, off the top of my head, that's what comes to mind, but... Um, like I said, I've been listening to a lot of your podcasts, too, and uh, Mr. Bob Hemp Hill, too. He's got some very beautiful plants that he's working with there, so I imagine he would have something of interest, too. Um, Got to remember, though, we're always going to be limited to space, uh, so it, anything that we pop, it has to be worth our time, you know? It just has to be. Yeah, well, I mean, those are two solid choices. I'm sure they they but I also, do well. <laughs> I also have some of yours. I have some of your genetics too. So oh. I have a. I want to know what <clears throat> out of everything you have, if you could, if you could, out of everything you have, if you could share one of your strains with everybody, which strain would it be? Probably the licorice mama. I think I sent you that one as well. Nice. Yeah, I think. It and would why be good. this one in particular? Well, it's like it's two strains I made, so I'm super down with that. Um, like crossed together to make that one, so like can definitely get behind that one as like my own work more so than a lot of other ones. But more importantly, I was like super super disappointed with like the Colorado Durban and people because I love licorice and people always said that was like the licorice thing, you know, like the aniseed type of thing. And it just, mm-hmm. it just wasn't. It was like, it was just the most generic sweet smell I've ever had. Like I've literally bought um, like shitty feminized seeds back when I was a noob and I didn't know what I was doing. Like not because I was buying feminized seeds, but I was literally just on like, you know, the very beginning of my whole grow journey. And You were learning. <laughs> yeah. And, and some of those shitty feminized seeds I had, had the exact same smell as the Durban, just this generic sweet smell. And I just don't get how people can get licorice from that. But I've created something that I feel is, you know, very licorice Admittedly, um, you know, it's it's got some GoGOG in it, which is a strain that's also known to have a bit of licorice in there. So I think it's obviously probably tapping back into that to a certain extent. But yeah, it's it's very much a licorice, whereas the Durban, I was like, man, anyone who says this is licorice has got quite an imagination. Are we talking like a black licorice though? Yeah. Because, I mean, that's very yeah. different. Yeah, black licorice. Yeah, and that's mm. what I wanted. And, that's, and so that was why I was a bit let down with the Durban. So that one would I would be interested to definitely look in that. Yeah, I think it would be a good one to check out. But um, any of the raspberry mama ones are good, and all of the tests have come back like it seems to be quite dominant. So you get a lot of raspberry in most things. So in that regard, I'd say look at the mum you like and go from there. Nice, nice. Now I am curious about this because I know I've heard this question. It, when you're selecting for like a male, your male selection, is there something that you specifically look for? Yeah. Like traits? Well, I'm like you. I stress the hell out of it. So it needs to survive the gauntlet for one. But um, I can't stand like auto-flowering males um, because I, for a while, I thought that was like the norm. And then I realized I was just stressing everything too hard. 
<laughs> and, um, and so then I took a step back and I was like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, there, there's a few little inside tricks like Duke share. Okay, okay, I'll share one here, um, which Duke share with me. I hope he doesn't mind. When you when you get real serious, you can start to do some crazy stuff. You know, you can get your mail. You take clones of it, so you've got you know backups and whatnot, and you grow all your mails out to a certain size, and then you um, like you know get all tease the soil or whatever the medium is out, and you can actually make judgments on it based on the size of the root ball and stuff like that, which is not immediately apparent otherwise, and that can be you know pretty indicative because on females like. A lot of people think that yield is proportional to the number of nodes on the plant, and that's not true at all. It's totally proportional to the, the root mass um, in most cases. And so, yeah, like having having a really solid root system is something I value on a male, which I think people don't look at at all. Right. Yeah. Well, so that too, that could be with... I think too something people don't look at either is... Um, you you know, starting with or using just a, a more mature plant in general. As in like the male's more mature? Well, female or male, um, just maturing it, you know, letting it grow, letting it fill in its container, just letting it really grow and express. A lot of times people, with females too, they'll uh, sex them and just straight throw them into flower. We actually do. We like to mature and we like our plants mature before we, you know, flower anything. Yeah. You just get a better result, much better. Yeah. Like when they're, they're naturally kind of already transitioning to flower because they're that mature. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, It's just like, um, like him and (laughs) Matt and I were talking about this the other day. Who do you think is going to make a better mother, a 15 year old girl (laughs) or a 30 year old woman? (laughs) Eh, weigh it <laughs> yeah i mean it's it, it's interesting to see i i because a lot of people talk about like bob hemphill we'll loop back to that for a second he talks about the the four-way and it kind of brings this point in mind like does a mother that's really old make worse offspring than the same cut when it was younger like does it affect the seeds you know i honestly i i don't know see i there's so many um there are so many aspects to which you have to consider, you know, from with each plant, you know, the growing conditions. Um, was it stressed? Did you use, you know, new things with it? Like there's so many different factors that can play into a plant doing different things. It's so hard to pinpoint like, you know, to a scientific level, what caused what. So that's like tricky. That's a really mm-hmm. tricky question. I don't. I don't know, but I do find that um, with us, here we have lavender and urkel. They're very old plants. They're extremely old. We've had them, like I said, I want to say around 2,000 or so, maybe longer, maybe less. I don't know. Like I said, back then you didn't really keep dates on stuff. You just kind of hung on to something. But when those plants are really healthy, they produce beautiful seeds. So maybe it's just the factor of whether or not you're, you have a healthy plant versus the age of the plant. I don't know. I think the, the far better way to, uh, to phrase that question would be like deteriorate cuts. Because if, if a cut has known to deteriorate it and like it, the bud you get it off it now is just nowhere near what it used to be, when you make seeds with it, are the offspring going to be similar to like, you know, are they going to have flavor profiles similar to the deteriorated version now or to the, when it was fresh and much more fuller and, you know, like its original self? 
Yeah, I think that's a really good question, and I wonder about that too. I I don't I don't know for sure. Like I said, there's so many factors that go into um, well when you're making seeds, for example. There's so many things you'd have to look at, um, you know, with that particular grow. That is a really good question. Have you noticed anything in particular with your testing? No, I mean, the the I lost the oldest cut I had not too long ago, sadly. But um, uh-huh. it's I mean, but even then, it was only like three and a half, almost four years. I think no, I think it was about three and a half. But um, so I, I don't know if that's really old enough for stuff to really deteriorate. Maybe it just means I've taken care of it well, so to speak. But yeah, not not in that period of time. Unfortunately, I haven't noticed anything. Yeah, I mean, there are times where um, I even Mad and I have talked. Uh, well, we're ha- we'll complete a grow, and we'll be like, we'll we'll ask each other, do you think maybe this is showing signs like it has degraded at all, as far as like the flower, the finished product? And there are times where we will think, yep, it is. It's just old. And then you'll have your next run, and you'll be like, nope, she's every bit as impressive. So. Sometimes I, I wonder if it's a per strain thing. It could be um, based off of that particular run you had. Like I said, there's so many factors, um, but I haven't, us here, have we haven't had any particular experience where I would say, you know, we've ran, we've, we've created seeds with like our older cuts, which we have both the Urkel and Lavender, even the SCDC, she's older now too. Well, I mean, most of our stuff is older at this point, um, but as far as like how the seeds are created, um, there's certain things that I have picked up on that are different from plant to plant, but I haven't actually noticed anything as far as like a degradation handed down in like the offspring to the seeds, nothing like that. Um, but I did notice, uh, as far as breeding goes with our, our Clementine, the Clementine line, um, whenever we make seeds, the Clementine seeds, they come out every time almost, without any stripes they're just almost like little blondies is what i would call them little blondie seeds and they're even kind of have like a weird shape to them but they're always super viable they pop instantly they're fast and they're just really strange looking seeds but they uh you never worry about them because they always pop and they're really fast to pop but they just look so different so different than the rest so what are your tips for picking them out Oh, um, I, it, it, it depends on, um, it depends on the, the strain to start with. Um, for me, I like to see a good, I like to see consistently what the females look like. Um, so we'll start there first. Um, I want to know what the females of that line come out looking like before I would even consider whether I want to even look at a male. Um, if, Mad and I are um, going through, say, a particular strain and we're testing and we find um, really worthy keepers uh, within those beans, then we would consider maybe a male and that would be worth looking for. Um, so at that point, maybe we would. And um, structurally, like with our Clementine male, when I chose that male, I chose him because he came out and he actually looked like what you would attribute to a female plant his structure was just super squatty he didn't have hardly any node spacing and I just loved him he was pretty and 
He had just such a deep, dark green to his leaves. He's just a beautiful plant, and I just really liked him. So for him, I liked his structure. Um, but with our PJ male, he's a little bit different. He also has, um, he resembles the appearance of a female plant, but of like the PJ female. So um, there's more, a lot more node spacing than, say, with the Clementine male. Way more node spacing on the PJ male. Um, but really with this one, he's got an instant smell develop. Um, developing resins to them already, um, just unique colors running all up and down the stems and the petioles of the plant. So him, it was just about that. He had a smell, and structurally he he resembled pretty identically a female that was a keeper for us. So that was kind of why we chose him. And those seeds themselves, were they quite old when you popped them? Oh my gosh. Um, if so, what, we, a, what are germination what, tips you have? Oh my gosh. Um, well, on the the Clementine male, that one was hunted a while ago. And I'm not really sure how old those beans were. I'd, I, would, I would have to ask Mad. But on the PJ beans, I'd say they were probably about eight years old, I want to say. Maybe yeah, older. That's getting on. Eight? But... um. Yeah, they were a pain in the ass. They didn't. The PJ beans didn't even want to pop for us. We had a real hard time with them. And I'm not a fan. I honestly, I struggle with the beans. Um, if they don't want to pop, they just irritate me. Usually, Mad deals with the beans. I do cuts. Um, they tend to agree with me more. Um, but on the beans, there's a couple of different things. You know, some people like to just so like soak them in a dark space in a cup. See if they. A taproot will show. Um, some people like the whole paper towel method, you know, moisture and paper towel. Um, we usually will use, uh, if we think they're going to be a tough crack, we'll usually soak them. Um, it depends what your issue is. Um, you can scuff them. Sometimes that helps them pop. There's so many different things that you can try. Um, there's uh, the gibralic acid. I haven't used it yet, but... Um, that's only because I haven't dealt with a bean yet that we couldn't eventually get open, but I do have some. Um, yeah, usually you can, usually you can help them along in some way, shape or form. So we haven't really encountered a problem to where we couldn't get at least, um, some beans from a strain to pop, but the PJs were a little bit trickier, but we obviously were still able to select from those, which was good. So, I just wanted to loop back to one of your previous breeding projects that I was interested in. Whatever happened to the Space Queen male you guys were using in the Evil Queen project? Um, we killed him. <laughs> he just didn't make the no, cut? No, we just didn't keep... <laughs> no, we didn't. Um, everybody really did. People still ask us about that to this day. Uh, we still even have some of the beans. Like if people ask, I'll totally give them. Um, we do have some, and there is some really interesting things to be seen in there, but mad, mad. And him and I both, we hate anything that has any tendency to show instability. We just, it, you know, nobody, you just, that's like the most dreaded thing when you're hunting through seeds and you're, you know, you have that feeling or you're concerned about finding something that's not stable. So when it came to those, it just, 
we didn't trust them and it just left us uneasy. And for that reason, we knew we could find a much better male. So we killed him. Yeah. Okay. Good answer. And so (laughs) I feel bad saying it, but it's true. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, do you think it came from maybe more of the, the chem side of the genetics or was it more the space queen side of things? I would say space queen side. It had a, Ooh, it was a, that was a stinky plant. Um, hmm. And it, it also too, it had that, that, that pineapple expression that was really like known to be on the space, space queen side of things. Um, yeah. but like I said, that one wasn't even one that really interested me. Uh, that was, that was one that was really more of Mads thing. Um, back then, when he had acquired the Urkel and the Lavender, the reason why he even got into the whole Space Queen side of things is because he was really interested in proving that there is a difference between the Urkel and Lavender, and he thought that that Space Queen uh, male might be the way to go about doing that by showing the different expressions in the, um, you know, in the in the seeds that we created from both parents. Uh, so that was his main reason for that, and then once he pretty much got the answer he was looking for and he was pretty much done with that mail. We just decided to move on to something else. And that's when we stepped into the T-Dub and the, um, the PJ project originally. So yeah, we had just decided to move on to something. So we wanted something obviously more stable is what we were looking for. So in the past, Mad has hinted that he thinks T-Dub might have somehow found its way into the creation of Tangy. I've spoken to a few other people about these quite credible sources, and they say they're not so sure that's the case. What do you think on that one? Well, um, of course I have an opinion. Um, I don't think I'll share. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, look, I I got to be honest. Um on this particular topic, I kind of hate this topic. Um, this was a topic that was actually brought to, I'll say Matt, it was his brought to his attention by a, a few different people, um, very credible sources and breeders, too, in the industry. Um, this wasn't something that was a, a thought of his. This was something that was brought to him uh, by outside sources originally, so that's where this whole entire thing started up um, up with to begin with. Um, I think basically, uh, I, like I have my opinion, he has his, other people have theirs. Basically him and I, all that we ever ask of anybody is if anybody uses ours or anybody else's genetics for that matter, or their strains, I just ask that people are honest and say, they say what they use. And we try to live by that the best that we can too. Um, which is another reason why we don't work any, we try not to really work anything outside because if you're only working what you have, then you know you can trust it and you're, you're not being dishonest about what you have. Um, but as far as him, you know, kind of creating that topic, that didn't come from him. That was brought to him by other people. Um, as far as his opinion on that, I would, I would, I would much prefer you ask him about that. Um, but we just don't like to start we're not looking to start any trouble in the industry for sure. And, um, just basically, I just think everybody could benefit from honesty and, uh, it would, it would, it's in the best interest too of the genetics too. And everybody just 
being honest about what they're working and, you know, saying what it is is actually what it is. That's all I really have to say on that. Okay. And so just on a topic you mentioned then about like not really bringing in new stuff, do you ever feel like it's self-limiting? Limiting maybe if, um, I, I guess if, if our entire game plan was based off of just looking to pump out as many strains as we possibly could, um, if we were on the whole, you know, strain of the month, what's everybody interested in in the moment, yeah, then I would say maybe so. Maybe we were limiting ourselves. But I'd like to say more that we just have um, some guidelines that we've set for ourselves. It's kind of like a set of standards. It kind of keeps us... Um, I don't know. It keeps us kind of working, staying away from what everybody else is doing. Um, and, you know, at least we're working things that we have true confidence in is how we both look at it. And we're not opposed to bringing, bringing things in. Um, it just has to be really worth bringing in to even bother, I guess I would say. So, Again, like you, you have to give up all your time and energy to keep these plants alive. So it's really got to be worth giving your time and energy to to keep it alive in your stable. So, you know, I, I would say we don't limit ourselves. We just have really high standards. And so, like, with that being said about the willingness to bring in something if it was worthy, is there anything that's caught your eye and you're like, oh, that might be one of the things? <clears throat> well... I can't say a particular strain, um, like not not a, a, a particular strain, but I have told Mad one of the things that I would like to really start looking for is a really good CBD strain. Um, <clears throat> because for me, I've actually been getting into some really awesome CBD concentrates lately, and they work really good. Um, I have fibromyalgia, and it just really does. It helps like all my aches and pains and just that overall shitty feeling that you can have throughout the day and it just works really good. So as far as bringing in something new, that's my personal interest. I'm, I'm, I want to find some like a really good CBD strain that I like. Um, so again, if it's something that we're going to bring in, it's got to be something that either he has an interest in or I have an interest in or it's going to benefit him and I in some way. Because that's like everything we work is based off of that to start with. You know, everything else is just like a, a bonus, I guess. And so what would be one of the current males you'd love to cross to a CBD strain? Because that was one of the questions I had. Like, what would be the first CBD offering you guys would want to do? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I think for I think if you were to ask, I'm just saying based off of my own personal experience, but I think if you were to ask Mad. I think if him and I were to to have a discussion on we were to throw a male in there that we have a lot of both have a lot of confidence in, I would say we both have a lot of confidence in our Clementine male. So I would say definitely can't go wrong there. Plus he's he seems to be doing pretty all right in um in all the other projects that we've used him in so far. And so, how do you like to test your new lines? Do you just like to, you know, pop 10 seeds, pop how many seeds? Do you just give some to your friends? Like, what's your general kind of way of doing that? 
Well, well, we, of course we like to grow everything that we like to always test our own stuff. Um, it's really hard to try to form an opinion about a strain based off of just what you're seeing coming from other people. Um, we also though, keep in mind, we love to see, uh, other growers growing our genetics too, because that gives you, um, some solid insight as to what the everyday person who grows your beans are going to get it. You know what I mean? It gives, and it also gives that kind of perspective to the, to the public to see, what, you know, a random person who buys your beans gets, and this is what they were able to get when they popped your beans and they grow them. So we also like that. So we do put our beans out there. Um, there's a lot of people who grow our genetics and we don't really know them. Um, there's uh, a lot of people who actually <laughs> appear to rep us quite aggressively online. And I do like to put out there, like, believe it or not, we met them online. We, that's the only way we know them is because they've acquired our genetics, which is really cool. Uh, because all the representation of us is basically just what they have come across on their own. So we do, um, we both have tried to spend a little bit of time. Uh, we ask that our growers, you know, tag us in like our own genetics that they've grown so we can repost them and show people like this is what the general public is also getting with our genetics so we find that to be helpful but we um we have uh, some personal friends too we share with but we like to test all of our own stuff first first and foremost that's how we do it so just referencing social media i've noticed that since we first chatted to matt over a year ago your guys social media presence definitely ramped up was that intentional and do you think it's possible to survive without a strong social media presence as a breeder you know i do um i do think it's possible to survive without social media it's harder because a lot of people like to have that contact with you I think that's one of the things that Matt offers that a lot of people don't. Um, it's really cool. He's will he'll, he'll talk to anybody. He, an he tries to answer everybody. Uh, in fact, I personally, I feel like people get more time from him than I do. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> he does. I mean, I honestly, I have such respect for it because a lot of, um, a lot of growers, something that, you know, if you ever ask them, they'll tell you, they will message breeders over and over and over again, and nobody will get back to them. Most of the time, they get blocked. Um, so I do. I love the fact that Mad will. He will sit down, and he will give lengthy responses. He will answer anybody's questions. Um, so I do. I, I think that's awesome that he does that, and I think that's one of the things that he does very different from a lot of other breeders out there. Um, just the fact that he allows access to himself I think is big but I do think you can survive without social media but it would be a whole lot harder I really do how do you feel about the way female growers and breeders are perceived within the industry in general um you know you don't actually see a lot of representation of women in the industry uh I think there's probably a whole lot more women growing, um, women growers and breeding than, than we know about. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to say something that's going to be offensive, but I think it has something to do with, I think that there's a lot of, obviously it's like a male dominated industry. Um, but there's, there's something, uh, about the way it's changed a little bit because of social media 
you have, um, I don't know, it kind of like ordinary people feel more like, um, kind of like somebody famous, I'd say. And I think they really enjoy that attention. And I think that, um, with the female growers, you're not really going to see that as much. I think they just kind of do their thing. And I don't know, I, 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 you just don't see them out like that. But when you do, the only women you really see heavily in the industry are usually dressed up and, you know, (laughs) meant to be handing out dabs in a tight tank top. So, and I don't think that's like a fair representation of women in the industry, but that's basically what I've seen from my perspective. One of the criticisms put forward that I've heard at least is that there's seemingly like a dichotomy within the mind of the average male smoker within the cannabis community in that, uh, you know, a lot of guys within this criticism will supposedly be like, yeah, we want more female breeders. That would be awesome. You know, I'd love female breeder, whatever, like that whole type of thing. But, um, but then as soon as a girl puts herself forward as maybe something like that, the immediate assumption is, oh, you're just fucking around in your boyfriend's grow. Yes, yes, yes. So um, do you feel like that's a, quite an accurate representation of the way women are met in the industry? Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of, I think there's probably a lot of uh, men in the industry that probably have that perspective that they don't want to share this. Does that make sense? I don't want to share this. I don't want to share this with, when I'm with women. I don't know what yeah. it is. It, no, I men get what and women, we, we think very different. Um, it's not a knock. I think that we work the way we work because this is how it, this is the balance of things. I really think that. Um, but I think too, when you've got something that they've started out with and they were used to it, like being theirs, I don't know that they're so confident or comfortable sharing that per se. And let's face it. You do not have to be a dude to grow good weed. You just don't any think of it like this. When I I was, when I was a kid, um, all the men in my family were all either in the military or something. Most of them were away most of the time. Women, they ran shit. They ran the entire house. They cooked dinners. Men went to work. They came home at the end of the day. They had dinner. <laughs> they went to bed and they did the work process all over. The only time you saw them was on the weekends when they were doing a couple of things around the house. But let's face it, women ran stuff. They cooked dinners. My grandma she had two vegetable gardens in the backyard and my grandpa did tend to them on the weekend, but my grandma ran stuff all the time. You know, it was like, that's kind of, I think we forget how much, um, hands-on women really do have just in everyday stuff all the time. So I think they forget that. Yeah, without a doubt. And so this is maybe like a harder one to answer because it's just so blunt and to the point. But do you feel it's harder for women to gain recognition or respect within the general industry as it is? Yes, I can tell you for a fact. I know it is. Um, uh, prove a point. Um, if you just to prove a point, open up my Instagram page and then open up Mad's Instagram page and look at our followers. I'm just saying, if something happened to Mad, all you guys would be fucked. Because if you don't have contact with me, how are you going to get our beans? You know what I mean? Like, seriously, if something happens to him, you guys need to be able to talk to me. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I do see that. I noticed that. Some some people have no problems, but there's a lot. There's, like, a, a vast difference between um, the 
the people that view me and him as equals, despite how many people he tells. He's like, I'm right by his side. I Every bit, I need him as much as he needs me. This is how we work together. We're 100% a team. But you can see it like clearly um, just in the respect that we're given. Not by everybody. I'm not singling out everybody, but you can clearly see it. There is a difference. Yeah. And so... Uh, what I was just going to say was one of the, the counteracting views that I had seen to this discussion was that, as we mentioned earlier, it could fundamentally also just be a little bit of a underrepresentation problem. Um, and what I think is meant by that is the fact, like, if you were to say, for example, look at how many male breeders there are, and of those male breeders, how many have gone on to become super successful, not just in the fact that maybe they're known, but they've actually got something which is really well regarded and it kind of stands the test of time or whatever. Right. If you, if you set the bar that high, it's only actually, you know, like a, you know, maybe 20, 30 people who really meet that criteria. And so you, you kind of get what I mean when I say there's an underrepresentation. like maybe we just need more females contributing stuff and then we would easily see stuff rise to the top because it is the cream of the crop type of thing. Yeah, I do think, um, uh, I think that is, that's actually probably, um, again, that's one of those factors, like I was just saying, there's lots of factors that contribute to why things are the way they are. And again, you have to remember too, the seed industry, the way it kind of started up was mainly because you had legalization popping up in the States, you know, here and there, and you had people who were ordering seeds overseas and whatnot, but that's kind of what started the market. And, um, you, you don't it was guys it was it was the men in the industry that were doing it and a lot of it was again social media has really kind of uh kicked that into like a much higher gear and it was men that um it's the guys that were doing a lot of these little internet deals and trading and sharing and swapping genetics and that is what built this this industry so at the same time i can understand that and that is why you probably don't see um a lot of female faces you know behind genetics and breeding well, but i do think you will see more yeah like what i was just gonna say with that being said you just recently partook in your first breeding panel over the weekend i believe yeah that was interesting that was really interesting so how did that go for you what was the experience like cold <laughs> it was actually it was actually cold that day no it was nice um I got to meet two other ladies in the industry, both very nice and smart ladies. Um, Elena, she's with the Green Fire Genetics. She's she's young, um, but she's really sweet. She's really nice, and she's coming up in the industry. Uh, I I spent a little bit of time hanging out with her. She's a really cool chick. Um, people should check her out. And then the other lady on the panel, her name is um, Ginger Dewar. Now, that lady right there is an amazing example for uh, just growers, honestly. Um, have you have you looked into her at all? Did you happen no, to see I, any? I was about to say, you sent me the name just earlier, and I was going to look into it, but I haven't got a chance to just yet. Yeah. Um, both of them. Um, Elena is... I'm, more I'm familiar into with like, Elena and her work. Yeah, she's yeah. more into like our side of things, you know, like the, you know breeding and whatnot and um ginger is has like this massive commercial background and she just has some of the coolest stories and seriously the knowledge in that girl's mind 
puts most of the people to shame. Um, she's just, uh, she's an amazing example of a grower <laughs> on so many levels. Like if you can track down an interview with a, a female, she would be, I'm mind blowing. I, I think it would be a killer interview to listen to. And she has so much knowledge. It, honestly, like I have a little bit of a crush on her. I gotta be honest. <laughs> she's so just, she's amazing. She's a mother of five for starters. Um, she's also like into painting and stuff. I've done a little bit of like research on both of the ladies. I thought they were both very nice and interesting, but she's, um, got an agricultural background and she's been into like growing pots since a youngster. So her story is really cool. And she just, the knowledge in her mind is just, it's insane. I think if you could track down an interview with somebody, she would be a cool one to get. I'll uh, send can, her information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to stretch your mind back now to the Emerald Cup. I asked Mad and Smelly this question, but I wasn't able to ask you in the interview. Did anyone bring you anything at the Cup that you were really surprised by? Yeah, actually, um, I do remember this question. Um, I I got. I'm going to be honest here. So first, I'm going to say to have that much cannabis in that small of a space, I would have honestly thought I would see a much higher grade and um, a wider range of really killer weed. I really am surprised that I didn't. However, there were people that brought us some really killer examples. Um, there were a lot of people who, I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound like that, but I'm going to just say it. A lot of the people brought us, um, Samples of our genetics. So basically they had got our beans, popped them, grew them, and brought us finished product. And that was some of the most impressive that we did see. Um, one other really kick-ass example of some solid smoke I not only saw, but I was lucky enough to smoke, um, was from Duke Diamond. And it was his, um, his lavender. That was on point saying that was really killer weed but there was there was um there was a a good five or six people that brought me in mad personal samples of their own grows and there was some really well-grown cannabis in there some outdoor indoor I mean just really nicely grown nice well done product but I was a little bit underwhelmed at how much cannabis was there Considering there's, I, I would have thought there would have been um, a much wider selection and a higher, basically a better grade of cannabis, just to be honest. And so I, I know that you're quite uh, selective with what you smoke. However, if someone like, you know, whether it's they've grown it or whatever, if you've got some stuff not grown by you, but it's some stuff from your uh, stable, so to speak, you know, it's one of your guys' creations, does that kind of make you more open to trying it or it's still just like it just has to be growing well? Um, no, I'll, if, look, if we're in a situation and somebody passes me a joint and it's lit, I'm going to smoke it. <laughs> I will hit it. <laughs> I'm gonna hit it. I, dude, I'm I'm a stoner. I'm just I'm being honest. I'm gonna at least give it a shot, you know. Um, if it makes my throat burn and it makes me choke, I'm less likely to take it back and hit it again. So, yeah, I'm that diva. Like I will, I'll I will bypass it. But I'm always gonna at least give it a try. Um, I mean, unless I'm sick, of course. If I'm sick, I'm probably just altogether pass. But 
No, I'm not like that. I'm going to, if somebody tells me it's good, I'm always going to give it a, a shot. People, people send us stuff and give us stuff all the time. Um, when we first really got into this, one of the reasons why we ended up breeding uh, cannabis seeds in the first place was, I can't tell you, we had what we felt like we had a few really solid keepers. You know, at the time, I think we had Urkel, Lavender, and SEDC were our main keepers. And um, every time somebody would come to us and tell us, oh, I got the best strain, you got to try it, it's so good. So we would start there. They'd give us some samples of some dry product and we'd smoke it. Always disappointed. So then we were like, maybe it's just needs to be grown proper. So then we would go about it that way. You acquire a cut or whatever seeds, however, grow it out, finish it. No, it just wasn't, uh, no, just wasn't, wasn't good enough to be considered a keeper like in our stable. And that is another reason as to why we do keep, um, I mean, we have, we have a lot of plants, don't get me wrong, but that's why you do see us work with a very limited selection because we have like a set standard that we go by. And if it can't stay, I mean, if we can't hang on to it, if it doesn't stay in there for at least four years, we're probably not even going to bother with it. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, and so what do you think is kind of your favorite aspect of breeding? Um, I honestly enjoy just the selection process. Uh, cannabis, it's it's crazy because you never real you never really know what you're gonna get. You kind of just have to pop the beans and start looking, and that's what's really cool. Um, you put these two parents together, and you might find like less variety uh, amongst these beans. While you put these other two parents together, and you might have a lot of variety. But the only way to know what you're going to get is to just grow them out and look. And that's like one of my favorite parts is um, popping the beans. And then they're really not that fun until they get to a certain size for me. But once they hit a certain age and then they start to mature and sexing and whatnot, that's when they really become fun because they start to at least show you something. Um, I personally, too, um, as far as like selection and keepers and deciding I don't like to decide on necessarily a seedling. I would prefer to make my decision on um, a taken cut that we've grown multiple times to give it a fair representation because uh, they always grow different. Um, as a cut always grows different than a seedling. So that's kind of one of those things I like to do too. It's interesting you mention that because I remember, again, <laughs> looping back to the Bob Hemphill chat, he he referenced that because we were talking about how you know like over long periods of time cuts degrade and he was saying yeah like how many times have you seen like a, a plant perform well on the first time and then it's just shit after and i actually thought about it over you know the period afterwards and i was like yeah actually i have seen that once or twice like you know and i i guess i i didn't really understand why it was happening at the time but i just figured like maybe i grew it well the first time and then just whatever afterwards but uh -uh. it's all, it's also interesting how there's the opposite to be said as well you know like how it, there's there's i've got more examples that come to mind of stuff that gets better you know like the older the clone is like i think it's a pretty widely held consensus that um the flowering time drops a bit you know once the clone gets like you know maybe a year or so old like it you know over the course of that time it drops a little bit like do you feel that's yes. the case yeah i do yeah i mean it does it change it changed by taking the cut and flowering out cuts 
you do have a more true example of what you're going to get, especially you have to look at it from the perspective of if you're flowering out your seedling and you're trying to make all your decisions based on what that seedling does, you're not going to have a very good representation because the cut always it always behaves different. It's more true to what you're going to get if you continue to con- continue to grow that cut. Do you see what I'm saying? Because you're going to grow a cut. So I just think you get a better representation by flowering your cuts than you do making a judgment call based off of your seedling. Um, and the cuts do, I do find that they, what they call it a little bit of a loss in hybrid vigor is what they, what they would attribute it to. Um, not all of them are that way. But I do find um, the cuts grow much more consistently. So as far as structure, I I much more prefer a cut because seedlings tend to grow kind of crazy in my opinion. But I do <laughs> think there's a bit of weight. I do think you do suffer a bit of weight loss. But you can make that up, like I was saying earlier, by just um, – like I said, I like to have a more mature plant. I prefer to flower a more mature plant, an older plant, one that's been – kind of shaped and you know one that's basically been influenced by me for a set amount of time yeah totally so how does the growing trend within the california seed to the sorry the californian scene to grow from seed affect your breeding does that make you guys want to try to you know get something that's really vigorous out the gate or do you still think it's it's rather a small trend so to speak at the moment you know I, I don't I don't know I don't want to sound like an asshole but we don't we don't we're not aiming and everything that we do we're not we're not basing it on what you would say the market is asking for or what the general public is asking for and we're not we don't do that because there's plenty of people out there doing that um, what we're trying to do was more um, we got started for ourselves, really, just looking to make a real solid, different forms of medications that can target different things about your illnesses, um, some that are better for daytime, some that are better for nighttime, but something that you always have to go to that's always going to work. So, our, I mean, the, the basis behind why we do it is very different from why most people are breeding um, cannabis seeds in the first place. So, yeah, we're not really looking to just please like the marketplace. Um, so I think that's different. Uh, our priorities, I guess, are a little bit different. So maybe that's what it is. But our main goal is always just basically really good, solid medicine. Um, something that you can go back to, hopefully year after year, but will still offer you that solid medicinal value you hope it has. But also stability because you can breed all the flavor you want, but you got to have some kind of stability. And that's what we're hoping for. We're hoping to kind of just have an across the board, awesome strains for people to have access to and hopefully not too expensive because you want everyone to have access to them too. So we're aiming for stability, good solid meds, and something that you can turn to year after year. So, you know, that's our goal. So that brings up a good question submitted by another one of our Patreon fans. They say, I'd love to know what uh, what strains these breeders consider to be the most medicinal. Like, what is a medicinal quality to you? Because obviously it's very subjective. So, yeah, what to you is medicinal? Well, I think it really depends on what your, obviously it would be symptoms that you're trying to target. Um, for me, 
I would say like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna grab any strain that we have in our in our arsenal to basically smoke to just overall take care of any issue I may have for what we have I would aim I would go for the lavender every single time um and the reason I say that is because that particular strain just gives you uh, just an overall calming effect throughout your entire body, head to toe. And it just does something to like your stomach. It just soothes it, makes everything calm. It has the ability to target migraine headaches. So it's just overall a solid strain for your entire body. So if you're not really like sure what you're aiming for, if you're just trying to touch on different um, symptoms that you may have for a range of ailments, I would say lavender, but you know, your reasons might be different. You might want something just to help. Um, like you might want to take a couple hits and lay down and be able to go to sleep easy. Um, I would, you know, every, and everyone is different too. So it's like a tolerance thing. Um, our Clementine, it, um, if I haven't been smoking a whole lot and I smoke that, that one can actually make me quite paranoid. I mean, like, I'm not like really paranoid uh, and makes me stupid. Just really, uh, I can't think, I can't focus. It just makes me a mess. So that's not a good one for me if I'm like feeling a little paranoid. But everybody's different. Um, I like to say that every strain we have offers some kind of medicinal value to it. Otherwise, we wouldn't even have it. So... It kind of brings me to, I mean, not not the best segue, but I'm just going to run with it anyway. In terms of your guys' offerings, are you going to have a really wild sativa offering ever? Hopefully. <laughs> um, where, where would you even start? Like, what type of genetics would you think about? Like, you know, do you have anything in the, in the you know, the treasure chest which might be able to fill that category or you'd have to find that first? Oh my God. No, we actually, we do. We have so many beans. It's ridiculous. Like we have so much stuff. It'll probably sit there forever and never get touched would be my guess. Um, we have a lot of things. We have a lot of stuff that we've even created that have never even seen the light of day. Um, We've got stuff like that, but we also have a, um, a, a pretty wide collection of beans that, you know, we back in the day were collecting um, you know, kind of to touch on something that you brought up about limiting yourself or bringing things in from the outside. Um, that kind of actually plays a role in why we do stay within a lot of our own lines because we did, there was a, a point in time early on where we were, we were searching beans all the time. And that was the worst feeling ever is when you're going in there to check your plants that you need to be able to rely on and they are, you know, if they're freaking out because you popped genes that are just not stable. And, um, that's what, that's kind of where we came to the conclusion we were going to start creating our own, um, genetics because it was becoming costly. You're popping beans. You're thinking you're getting one thing and you end up getting something I don't even know. And usually it, it just the risk of pollinating other stuff in your room because you have a Hermie or a freak. It, it just totally was off putting. And we decided that's when we would just start playing within our own lines. And we've slowly expanded on top of that. And like I said, we do. We bring things in and there's things that we do. We don't openly talk about. Uh, we learn that the hard way. Um, 
But no, we've got stuff to play with. Like I said, we even our Clementine, that one in particular, we have we've got F twos, F threes, and F fours just sitting. Um, we've dug through the F twos, F and F threes a little bit, but the F fours have been completely untouched. So we have some of those to play around with if we wanted to. But we also have some some blueberry lines. Um, there's other things. We just it's just all a matter of time and what project you actually want to work on at the time and what you have the time and space for. Yeah, so, I mean, if we just touch back on that Evil Queen I mentioned before, it had some chem genetics in it. Chem's obviously a pretty focal point of this show. It pops up a lot. Would you guys ever want to try to get it and use it? Like, have you tried what you think was real chem and did you find it medicinal, for example? <clears throat> um. Well, you know, we actually... That that the one that you're talking about. It was uh, I want to say it was the Kim Kim by Kim by Cindy ninety nine. I want to say, and we actually had that particular that female that keeper female. We had we kept it for I want to say five or six years at the time. Um, and don't get me wrong, it visually speaking, it was a keeper in so many people's gardens. Um, and it like it was really uh, it was. Uh, really good for taking pictures of it was beautiful and it had so many resins but the one thing that we both felt like it just kind of lacked for us was the flavor side of things um and we also too we just couldn't we 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 found we weren't able to incorporate it with anything that would um bring out that flavor but also offer that stability that we were looking for which is why we discontinued that particular um, that, that keeper female that we were working with at the time. But, um, from that particular line, um, we were gifted, um, beans. So we still have beans from that particular strain, the, the Kim dog by Cindy 99. So if we ever wanted to revisit, we have, we do have some things to work through. Um, but like I said, it's just, Really, if it's not something I want to work or if it's not something Mad wants to work, it's just going to sit there for a while and it's not going to get touched. So, the Deep Crippler is, you know, a line I don't think many people have heard about. How come you guys haven't, you know, put it out there as much as the other stuff and do you plan to work it further forward? You know, um, we actually have talked about that. Um Everybody does. Everybody who has had contact with that particular strain really did like it. Um, it never, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't really have a, a particular love for it. Um, it just wasn't one that, I don't know. I, people love the SCDC, which would be the mother that we used at the time to, to create those seeds. But I'm, um, other than being super like beautiful in pictures and like uh, just a mass resin producer, like I don't, I don't love her. <laughs> we keep her because Mad loves her, so she's not really my particular passion, you know. Do you know who made feel, that one? Uh, the SEDC. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'll leave that one. You can ask Mad about that one. Okay. That's like a debatable. <laughs> the SEDC <laughs> is a debatable. I do believe we are the only ones that hold it. Yeah, okay, like a wink wink. No, I I'm no, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Seriously, like I have you seen anybody else that has it? No. I I well, I initially thought that you guys made it. Well, I'll let, I'll let Mad discuss that one with you. 
that plant is in, uh, I just don't love her. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. one of his babies, not mine. <laughs> yeah. So, who are some breeders out there who you would love to collaborate with? Um, oh, God, why would you ask me that? I don't know. I guess the, the question. Seat. Okay, the question that I would ask you is, what breeders would love to collaborate with us? Well, I guess firstly, you'd want to, the devil's in the details, right? So we're going to assume that they're going to bring one parent to the table and you'll bring the other? I have a feeling I know what parent they would like us to bring to the table, so. Yeah, I, well, I, if I were you, <laughs> I, would, I would push to bring the male. Jazz it up. There you go. <laughs> so who are you suggesting for us? Well, I mean, it depends what, if you just, it, it's all about what you want, really. Like, I mean, if I had to think, like, I want you guys to do something different. So, I'd just pick someone really different just so that no matter what they picked, it would result in something really different. Yeah, <laughs> uh, completely different. Yeah, or like hmm. something that's really well regarded and super sativa and just see how it goes. Like, you know, something like that. So, I'm a sucker for sativas, you know. Yeah. Um... Hmm. I don't know. I don't really know how to answer that one. Well, I guess the other way I would think about it is who is, is there a strain out there where you look at it and you're like, man, I just love to cross the T-dub to that. And, you know, if, if it's yes, then, you know, who is the breeder of it? You know, I, gosh, I wish that was one you would have maybe sent me in advance because I know there are some out there. Off the top of my head, though, that's a little tricky. Um, I know there's a couple of strains out there because I've specifically talked about them, but I just can't think off the top of my head. Like I said, if we were to work with somebody, um, the, the first and foremost important thing, we would want to work with somebody, obviously, that has a good reputation. Um, and we're always looking for honesty, um, again, I think that's something that it's a bit of a problem. I think, I, I don't know. I, I think we have, a, there's a problem in the industry of not calling things what they actually are. And I wish people would just call things what they actually are. Yeah, um, okay. but, so yeah, do you, you want to take the lead? <laughs> 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 just like, just serve a hot one up for us. Oh, yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just do. I think that, I think there's probably a lot less strains out there in existence than we think. There's just a (laughs) lot of names. There's like, you've got one strain and it actually has like seven names. You know, everybody thinks it's seven different strains, but in reality, it's not. It's really just one. I wish there was a lot less of that, basically. Totally. Um, so, yeah, as far as working with anybody, collaborating, I don't know specifically, not anybody in p- particular. I think we're just so busy doing our own thing. Um, plants really, believe it or not, are not our first priority. Our first priority always is our our child. So um, she's 17 now. So hopefully soon she'll be going off to college. If that's the case, we'll have a lot more time for other things. But as of right now, plants kind of come secondary. Yeah, it's a good good life decision. And so, a question submitted by another one of our fans is, what to you is the difference between a breeder and a pollen chucker? 
<laughs> That's a great question, huh? Uh, yeah, I, probably the definition would be my guess. Um, I guess it depends who you actually... T- no, seriously, I guess it really depends on who you talk to. If I'm giving like my opinion based on what I think the like the industry standard would be, I would say a breeder is somebody who um, has a more solid, knowledgeable understanding for the strains that they're working um, and have some of maybe their own stuff, um, aren't just crossing other people's works and, you know, this going and getting this female from this breeder and this male from this breeder and throwing them together. I would think that's more of a pollen chucker. Um, I don't know. I think it depends who you talk to. No matter what, breeding's breeding. It's pollinating a plant and creating seeds. Anyone technically can do it. It's common sense. It's pretty. It's a pretty basic thing. Anyone can do it, but doesn't mean anyone can do it well. Um, but I do. I think it's just... Um, I think it's more of a... Probably the 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 standards behind the person doing the work because I think that a, an actual a, a true breeder I think they probably really do care more about what they're doing and have a, a a solid love for what they're doing as where a pollen chucker in my opinion is probably doing it for the cash and just to pump out strains to make money that would be how I would view the difference does that make sense yeah of course and so what do you think of the various land races? Because, I mean, obviously, Clementine comes from Afghani origin, so maybe that's something that's got a soft spot for you. But if you, you know, had to pick a land race that, you know, you were more fond of, which would be the more favorites for you? Oh, you know, I, I don't know. I would say, obviously, I love our I love our Clementine. It's just an awesome Afghani plant. I love it. It, the high from her is just amazing. Um, again, for me, I put it in front of me. I'll smoke it. I'm either I either love it or I don't. You know. Um, I think for me to actually say that I like a particular strain or I have like a really solid love for something, I do. I I would have to sample it and I'd have to I'd have to be able to um, at least try it. I that's the only way I can really give an opinion. But, um, as far as ours, I, I just love that the Clementine that we have, that's why we, you know, we continue to work it. And like I said, why we even talk about maybe digging even deeper into those F fours that we have might be something interesting to look at. Yeah. Well, I mean, would you ever consider trying it? Maybe not necessarily a pure Clementine line, but just trying to maybe create a more indica type of tangy thing because that's the thing which i found unique is that a lot of the more orangey strains are not afghani by nature and so um i think it would be really interesting to have like you know like an offering that's basically like you know a very indica very medicinal you know trying to gun to be a very orangey type of thing is that something that interests you or you think the fad's over you know, I honestly think that pot strains, as far as like the fads of flavors and coming and going, I think it's going to be just like um, probably just like music and clothing, you know, from the 80s to the 90s. We're going to recycle through all the ugly shit all over again. <laughs> That's my guess. <laughs> you know, like we'll like something now and then give it about 10 years and we'll 
bring it back and everybody will act like it's new again. Um, that's just the nature of it. I think that's what will happen. Um, I don't know. Like I do. Don't get me wrong. I like good flavors in my cannabis, but there has to be a balance to it. You know, it can't just be good flavor. It's got to, it's got to do more than that. It's got to do more than offer a good flavor. It's got to, got to get, I'm sorry. It's got to get me high. (laughs) And so (laughs) this one's a little left of field, but I really want to know the answer to this. Would you guys ever consider doing Urkel or Lavender S1s? No. Everybody asks that and everybody says, why not? The question is, is why? <laughs> well, he, I want to I really play devil's advocate here. If someone else came out and they started doing it and their cuts were real, so you knew it was happening, would that affect your decision at all? Nope. Um, actually, doesn't I believe CSI, doesn't he, hasn't he asked one his, Urkel? Rats. No. You're one step ahead of me. <laughs> oh, um, sorry. No, that's all good. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. He definitely, yeah, he definitely does do that. And the Mendo perps as well, which is cool because, I mean, th- I think there's some people out there who are looking for that. But to me, it raises the next question is, do you think it's possible to find something as good or better than the mother in an S1? And if so, is that an influencing factor in your decision not to do it? Well, um, first I would say uh, there's a reason why we don't we don't do the whole S1 thing. We don't believe in it. You know, you're, I know on some levels you say part of like the advancement in society is technology and whatnot. And we're always manipulating things, you know, so people die later on in life and all this stuff. But as far as messing with genetics, um, Matt and I aren't fans of it. Um, just not. Um, and I would say as far as S wanting the lavender or the Urkel, if it was that simple as just S one it, you'll find something so much better than why hasn't it been done and why isn't it talked about all the time? And if it were that simple, why do breeders that have also supposedly the Urkel cut ask mad for it regularly? Uh, so those are the kinds of questions that I ask myself. Um, so no, S ones won't. I don't ever see them happening. Not with us. Um, and I don't think it's as simple as just S one it and you'll find something better. Because if that were the case, it would have been done already. Yeah. So I'm actually of the opposite mindset of that. I I have yet to see a single S one which is as good as the parent. Yeah. See, and I. But you know, some people ask too. Um, do you, do you ever find where uh, the strains that you've created come out better than, the like, the keeper mother? And I'm like, yes, otherwise we wouldn't bother uh, create, you know, otherwise yeah. we wouldn't bother. Uh, you know, it's a different, obviously, it's better, but it's a different better. It's different than the mother. Um, but I do think there's, if it did come out, if it was something as good or better, then people would do it all the time and they would do it with everything and then there would be no need for regular seeds, I would think. So yeah, I gotta I gotta say no to the S one thing. If it were that simple to find something so much better, and it were that that much easier, I would think it would have already been done by now. And does that extend to just feminize in general? Like, would you do fem crosses or just now? Nah? No, we 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 um you know like I said, I've learned from Mad. So based off of his um like I said, he's he's got a really he's got a mad brain. He, um, the amount of knowledge he has taken in when it comes to cannabis is insane. 
it's just like nothing I've ever seen before. And um, he has a solid belief on why he doesn't believe in it, why he does like regular seeds. And he's made his argument with me, and I can I can I can agree with that. And I you know I I can look at it too, even with like people and genetics. I mean, I really wouldn't want to do that with my kids. So you know, kind of the same thing. Yeah. So. I wanted to ask you a question that I asked Mad in the initial interview I did with him. How do you feel about Granddaddy Purple, seeing as it's kind of like the watered-down Urkel? Um, you know, I, I guess I don't really have much of an opinion either way. Um, I was actually smoking some, some concentrates of the Granddaddy Purple. Um, we went to that Indo Expo and Mad packed my vape pen, but he didn't pack the the top of it so i only had the bottom half the battery portion oh no cartridge (laughs) yeah so i'm like how am i supposed to smoke when you only packed half of my shit but when we got there the one of the seeds here now guys um ben was nice enough to gift me one of the little concentrate tips and it was granddaddy purple so i got to smoke that and it was pretty all right so i mean not to me wasn't as wasn't nothing like urkel do you um, see any similarity, or you're skeptical on the link? Uh, it's like a like a very watered down, mild version, maybe, but it's definitely not. It's not the same as Urkel. It's uh, actually has, to me, it had more of um, I don't know, maybe more of like a perfumey type kind of spin to it that made it more different than the than the Urkel was for me. But it definitely, it didn't, the one thing I can say is for it being concentrates, it didn't even get me high. It just gave me like a really like mild buzz. So that was kind of a disappointment, but it was just nice to have. Is that a concern you have in general? Because what I've heard is is that there's just like an exponential growth in both the demand and the supply of these cartridge types of products. And I've heard that that's where a lot of the shady back back counter stuff can happen in terms of like material getting processed that like probably wouldn't pass or stuff like that are you concerned about that or do you think it's all a bit of like rumor wives tale type stuff oh i think anytime that you have rumors you got to take into consideration things come from somewhere so there's likely some truth to it um but i think anytime you're doing business with people you just need to do your research um you know you should know what you're getting into at least if as far as that goes um like you mean as far as uh, concentrates like as far as testing and being clean like free of bugs and yeah well, pesticides like, and what i've heard is that like there's a lot of bud which you know maybe does have an issue but it just gets turned into concentrates and then by the time it gets down to like the type of thing which would end up in a cartridge it, it's so highly processed that you would just have no idea like that, it's been like there's like pesticides and all that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, or like I'm sure PM there, and stuff. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, no, I'm sure there's definite truth to that because it, it that has to have come from somewhere. I would I would assume there's truth to it, but um, like I like I was saying, I would just assume you know, um, whoever you do business with, if you have somebody, you know, creating those for you or making putting your uh, making it into concentrates, you, you should. You should probably know where, where you're getting your your medicine from. At least have an idea. Uh, once, which is also one of the reasons why Mad and I like to um, smoke our own 
you don't have to worry about it. Do you think there's a certain negative element in the way that there's this separation from the plant in that you can just get this cartridge and it's so removed from the flower that it leads to this situation where you get these crazy, you know, possibly adulterants in there. Whereas if everyone was just still sticking with flower, arguably it's more medicinal and you're more likely to spot any, you know, visual issues, things like that. Yeah, and I actually do. I have even noticed... um uh, you know, con- concentrates, they say concentrates are stronger, but I've even noticed sometimes uh, um, a difference from, say, if you were to take this Urkel flower, smoke it, and then compare it to the same concentrates made from it. I noticed there is like a difference in the way my body like reacts to that, even if it's the same strain. Um, I don't know. I do feel like... Um, I feel like I do have a more true feeling of a stone when I smoke an actual flower versus concentrate. I get, I feel like it gives me a better, um, I don't know, like I have a better feel of that particular strain if I smoke it in flower versus concentrates. Okay. I definitely agree with that one myself. And so uh, I found a, a forum post many years ago, I think it was, 2011 or something and it said that like it reckons it had the genetics listed for the triply wicked and the purple jackie have you guys tried to keep that under wraps Mm, no no any any anything that you can find like any any records of when we were online it should be fully accessible to anybody that wants to see i um we've always been honest about what we worked from when we originally first got, um, the mail that we worked in those lines. Um, that was, it was a mail that was gifted to us. I know Mads told this story before. Um, but it yeah, was, but um, like all the names were always left out. So it just made me wonder, like, do you intentionally not want to reveal the lineage of certain things or no, like on, on which one in particular? Which which forum is this that we're speaking of? Is it um, was so it well, whose post? There's one on Roll It Up by a guy called Elite Nugs. Um, he says he's a friend of yours, but you know. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember him. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And what it what is it that he listed specifically? Because so I was never on Roll It Up. He says purple Jackie is Mendo cross a purple Urkel male, and uh, triply wicked is lavender cross a purple Urkel male. <sighs> Okay, though there is actually like a bit of a story to this. It goes back a bit further, and I I do prefer Mad tell this story. I think he's even actually covered this when when you and him did one of your interviews before. Um, okay. Oh my God, it's, it's like such an extensive story. The gentleman that we got our mail cut from back then when we first worked it. Uh, there's like um, he contacted us and he says, "I've got this cut. The, the, these are he has a cut and." Um, there, these beans that he had, and it was, uh, this, the particular, he got them, they were, what, labeled as Urkel, purple Urkel beans, now this is many, many years ago, so, Matt and him formed a relationship, and there's, like, a whole story from there, and I believe he's told it, but as far as, like, dates and all that stuff, that's something that you'd have to touch on with him, because, like I said, this goes back to, like, the beginning when I really didn't have so much involvement, um, and this was a deal between him and this particular guy, but the reason it's listed that way is because um, they believed it was from the Urkel, the lineage was from the purple Urkel, the male that that we were gifted 
back when we used it, which we did, we ended up killing that male, which was the one that was used um, to make the original Purple Jackie beans and the original T-Dub beans. Yeah, okay. Um, so if you dig back a bit further, maybe 2003, 2006 or so, somewhere around that area, um, it's another forum that we were actually on. There's a particular story in there, and it'll explain all of that. It explains um, just in, in full detail um, where the cut itself came from, that this male we, we used in the project. The truth is, is it's just basically we had to label it as we were told it was, and all we know is what people believe they were labeled as at the time, and it was supposed to be from the same lineage as Purple Urkel itself. So there's no secret behind the lineage. It's just nobody really knew what to call it. And at the time, it was actually labeled the triple E male, like as in E, E, and E. Because back then, too, I don't know if you know or how familiar you are, but there were times when they were spelling Urkel with an E. Does that ring a bell to you? Yeah, yeah, I remember that photo. Right, okay, so... Uh, and um, some of the research done back on this this cut that we also were gifted back when this project was originally created, that's how they were labeled was as Urkel. So that's where the E came from because the original spelling on those were spelled with an E. So if you look back further, you can find some more research. It's all there to be seen. But as far as like the full details and the story and the names, that would all be best to come from Mad because God, my brain just doesn't remember all of that stuff quite as well. Plus, I like I said, I didn't jump in until I had to. And that was much, much later when he got so sick and um, he ended up in the hospital and he just couldn't do all this work by himself anymore. So, yeah, um, I believe he told you this story, too, when you guys did your one of your interviews. Like, I, I almost positive he had. Yeah, yeah, he did. It was just um, the those details about the the Urkel and the lavender and where it all sat as the parents. I think we didn't get those bits. Yeah, and see, that's too where his why he's always had such a fascination too for understanding the Urkel and the lavender lineage because he's and he he's he's positive like he's he's sure he knows what it what it was that created like he knows if you ask him he knows in his mind what created that lavender and what created that urkel and uh, i just he he has an amazing mind for it and um back then that's what sparked his interest because everybody was so insistent that all the purple strains back then were identical and they just weren't and he knew it and that's that's where all of that that interest came from was because of those projects he had started up. Yeah. And so the thing that I've noticed about the Purple Strains is, to me, they've got some of the most kind of most enjoyable terpene profiles. You know, you referenced earlier, there's like a perfuminess to them almost. How do yes. you feel about that? And what's your favorite terpene profile? Um, well, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like a brat. Um. With the lavender side of things, you tend to have, um, I would say it is more floral. Sometimes, um, my daughter will even say it has like a, like it's reminds her of walking into Starbucks. 
the smell. <laughs> um, so lavender has that smell, which is really nice. And it does, um, it does roll over into the flavor sometimes. And then as to where Urkel, Urkel will tend to have more of like a grape soda every once in a while too. You'll even pick up like a pink bubblegum flavor in there. Um, but that's like you, those are the bit of a different, uh, flavor profiles in those purples. And then in our, uh, wicked Clementine and like some of the T-dub, T-dubs that we've grown, they are heavily citrus. I mean, it's so, it's so, it's so dominant. And some people will say it's orange. Like some will say it's uh, lemon, like pine, uh, like pink lemonade, like, some will say it's more like grapefruit, um, but those those types of terps actually start to bother me after a while. I do lean more towards um, that the flavor that the Urkel and the lavender tend tend to carry, but I do also like um, the more old school flavor that that Clementine kicks out because it's just it just reminds you of like a real old school bud, um, just kind of maybe like a. I don't know, just really, really soft, easy on the lungs, like a real mild, maybe mild, kind of like a hint of pine to it, but almost sour at the same time. It's really nice. It sounds good. <laughs> Mouth watering. It is good. And it's actually super stony, that Clementine. Um, it does. If you like, if I haven't been smoking much of her, it just fucks me up, like makes me stupid. <laughs> So, final question that was submitted from one of our Patreon fans. They say, I would love you to ask Mrs. Mad, what does she look for in a keeper? And how does she approach a grow room in general? And so, I think what they mean by that is, is it just purely about like effect? Like you just smoke it and that's all? Or is there other considerations like yield, you know, ease of growing, all those types of things? Like how do you decide keepers? Oh, God. Everything, everything. I take everything into effect. Um like starting in veg, there's a couple of things that I'm going to pay attention to first off in there. Um, one, you got to take into account what your grow space is like. You know, if you have um, height restrictions, space restrictions of any type, you need to focus the strains that you grow around that, um, which is one of the things that I love. I like to say, you know, our strains are really nice about that. Because we are limited with height and space and whatnot, we do try to focus a plant that can produce you something super stony with the flavor, but also in a manageable space and doesn't like top out at crazy heights. So we do try to touch on that. Um, so I'm looking at stuff that grows similar to a structure that I like. And I do. I like a shorter, squatty plant. Um, I like uh, a growth structure that I can um, control rather easy. Um, I don't like a super finicky plant. So if, if, um, if she gets, if like if a, if a female especially gets root bound and if it starts getting temperamental with me, I don't like that. I don't want it to be root bound and start showing problems instantly. I like them to be super tough. I don't like them to be, um, I don't like when they're temperamental because then if you have to like be away or there's going to be any type of stressor, you know that they're going to be easily set off. I don't like to necessarily keep plants like that. Um, so structure's big. Uh, pest resistance is nice. I do not like strains that uh, have like a tendency to have powdery mildew. That's the worst. 
especially if you're um, limited on the space that you're working. You don't want to have to deal with powdery mildew and stuff like that. So we stay away from strains that um, have tendencies to pick up powdery mildew or draw in certain bugs. But at the same time, we also, uh, plants that are really expressive in their terps tend to draw bugs, nuisance bugs. So, you know, you kind of have to balance that out. Um, now, as far as in flower, like, oh, too, uh, stem rubs are always nice. I know people talk about that a lot, but just any kind of smells that you can pick up from them might give you some um, signs on what, what a plant will give you, um, just the colors that they express, how thick the stalks get. I pay attention to everything. Um, again, like I said, I stress them. I make them ugly. I like to see how how reactive they are. Can they crowd out? Um, are they strong enough to crowd out other plants when situations get tough? You know, when when things get really overgrown, can they dominate as to where another plant may get pushed out? So I look at stuff like that, um, just stuff like that. Uh, but keepers. Again, like we're always looking for, we do, I like to stay within a certain type of structure. It was really super hard for me to take in that, um, the, the lemon Larry that we took in cause I hate its growth patterns. They're really like crazy and it's not really within the, what I'm used to, but, um, so yeah, that's something out of what I typically would like, but I'm working with it. <laughs> that's still a very comprehensive answer. So, <laughs> something I would love to quickly ask, where do terpenes and aesthetics rate for you? So, for example, if you bred something and it's absolutely amazing smoke, but there's no terpenes, is that like a no-go for you? Like, where do all these things sit? All right. That's actually really an easy, that's really one of the easier questions. Um, seriously looking for balance. All, we're always looking for balance. Um, it's got to offer you up some, you know, very specific things. Um, like I said, one, you want st stability first and foremost. Stability is important. Two, if I can't stand the taste of it, that's going to be a bit of a problem. <laughs> if I don't like it, if it's going to make my throat hurt, if it burns my lungs, those are all problems. So I know like if it's I know if it's doing that on a consistent basis, I can tell you without a doubt, it's not what my husband is doing in flower because he babies his plants and they always come out with the best available flavors. So if it's something that's not <laughs> just giving it up in the flavor department, it likely won't even be touched by us, but it could have all the flavor in the world. If it doesn't uh, doesn't give you the desired effect of, you know, getting you stoned, taking care of your stomach issues, um, taking care of your aches and pains and your sore back or helping you sleep at night. It, there has to be balance, but stability first and foremost. Um, and like, again, it, sh it should be giving you something every bit as good as those keeper mamas. And if it's not giving you every bit as good as those keeper mamas or better, then it's just not worth your time. So. so, on the tail end of it all now, this is a question I love to ask people, um, but I think it, in my head it always seems like it'll be a harder question than what it is. If you could only do one for the rest of your life, indoor or outdoor, which one would it be? Okay, yeah, see, this is funny. 
Mad would tell you all day long he would say outdoor. I would not. I would say indoor. I maybe because I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm not big on change. Um I don't like change. Whenever I make changes, 9 times out of 10, I find myself very disappointed. <laughs> I'm talking across the board in life, so maybe that's <laughs> why I say that. Um no, I I'm I'm just being honest. Um every time I make a change, it rarely turns out better. So I'm not a fan of change because of this. I'm, I'm the kind of person that if I find something and it works for me, I'm not, I will, I will make a change. If you can give me evidence that shows me if you do it like this and you can give me an example of how there will be solid evidence to prove it will be better. I will, but you have to be able to present me with solid evidence because I'm not about to abandon everything I know and everything I do great at <laughs> unless there's a good reason to do that. I, that's just, that's me. So in regards to indoor, what is your preferred type of light? Oh my gosh. See, now this is where there is no, there's no, uh, there's no real compromise here. <laughs> this is all mad. <laughs> no compromise. What mad says goes. Um, no, for my veg, I, we've got just basic T5s. Um, Mad's pretty basic. He's old school. He likes old school all the way, but no, he's um, pretty dead set on the certain things that he uses. But no, um, when it comes to stuff like that, I don't, I, I don't, um, I don't pretend to have input there. <laughs> so like we, I said, you guys run in flower. Um, he's actually he's old school, dude. He's got um, the uh, what it. Why HPS? is this so hard for me? Yes, he has. High pressure sodiums, but he's got just, we have our old school ballasts in there, but they have never done us wrong. Um, Hydro Farm all the way. Uh, Never had a problem, not once. And I think the ones that we even have have like just the best warranties on them. So yeah, he, like I said, he even is to a certain extent like me, you know, you, um, in anything that we do, he's very much a perfectionist like I am, um, I don't mess with anything if it's working well for me unless I find a reason that I need to change it. In that case, I will. Um, He's the same way, but actually it's funny that you bring that up because he was just telling me the other day um, because we're going to be needing to put some plants into flower soon. But he was talking about wanting to go through a bunch of changes on um, lights and whatnot. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm so glad that's not my... That's not not in the within the realm of the things that I do because I don't want to <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> yeah. I really don't. But that's one of the things really nice about what him and I do together because it's such a shared uh, responsibility. He really does do the things that I hate or I don't I don't like to do. And trust me, there are some of those. And then there's some things that I just. I'll be honest, that's another thing I love about this industry. You will never know everything there is to know. There's always something to learn. Cannabis is one of the coolest things because you will never have all the knowledge there is to have. You can always learn something new, and I really do enjoy that. Um, But, yeah, uh, we get to share in everything that we do, and he has such an extensive knowledge, um, and he's been studying for so long that, He's he does make a good majority of our decisions, unless, like I said, it's one of those things that falls within my, um, you know, things that I like to control. Because I am, I yeah. am a control freak. 
He will <laughs> tell you I'm almost borderline psycho when it comes to the things I like to control. So what's a general grow tip you've got for the viewers? Just to, you know, get things, you know, just perky a little better, that type of thing. Yeah, I think one of the things people don't realize, I, I think they forget. It is basically a weed. Um, just keep in mind, uh, they, they're real basic. They grow. It's pretty simple. Um, they don't require a whole lot. Um, just really love and care. <laughs> you can really just watch them and they'll tell you everything that they need. Um, reading is always good. Um, one of the things that I actually personally feel like I have learned myself that has been extremely helpful for me is if I ever have a problem, the one thing I don't do, I know everybody runs to the computer first thing. Um, I do not go on pot forums. I refuse to find information there because most of it, a lot of it is crazy for starters, but a lot of it will send you to doing things to your plants that's crazy, dangerous, bad for them, um, sometimes will kill them, um, but also will, will, will straight up make you panic. Um, so I, what I try to do is I try to do a lot of my research, uh, just basically apply common sense knowledge to it, and then I do a lot of agricultural site research and we're lucky to have some friends in um, like agricultural business so you can ask them questions and they can kind of give you some guidance on which way to go with certain products um, or, you know, pest questions. Um, so, yeah, I would say don't get all your information from pot forums. That could be really dangerous <laughs> and really bad for your plants. Um, and just... Don't overdo it. Keep it basic and then read books. Don't just run and ask somebody that you think can answer the question for you. Go get the knowledge yourself. Read as many books as you can. There are some really good ones out there. I think Matt has probably about 20 of them in his possession over the years he's been collecting. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of people, too, with um, pot plants, they just overdo it. They they think more is better, and it's not. It's just a basic plant, and it grows pretty easy. It really does. Yeah, killing it with kindness. Yes. <laughs> All righty. So this brings us to our last little quickfire questions. First one, what is your favorite strain? You can only pick one. Oh, that's a hard... Mm. I don't know. Like today, my favorite strain would be lavender for sure. Um, I don't know. We've been, we've had it in our collect in our collection for so long. It's like I said, it's one, no matter how crappy I feel, I know that I can, I can go to lavender and get some type of relief. So I've got to say her lavender all the way. And so what is the strain that's just least left an impact on you slash just didn't impress you at all personally? Oh my gosh. Oh, this feels like an awful question to answer. There's so many of them. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't want to say like left awful impressions. I'd say that there's a lot of strains out there with a lot of hype to them just based off of names, which kind of drives me crazy. Well, that's, and I that's think actually the next question. Like, so we'll just we'll combine them together. What's the worst strain to ever gain traction with the masses? Uh, I I think depending on what strain is the current 
cut of the month club would be the one that falls in that category for me. <laughs> so probably as of lately, I'd say some dumbass cookies or something like that. Um, I just hate that. I don't know why, but I really do. Uh, again, like you were asking earlier, do you feel it? This is why I don't feel like I'm limiting myself. I feel like I'm setting standards by doing that because then we're not running out doing the exact same thing that everybody else is doing. And let's face it, everybody else is doing that same exact thing. So yeah, nope. Cookies, so, all of those. What else is there? You've got what? What was you had that nine nine pound hammer for a while there, which that's been a, a, a ways away. Thank God there was, um, <laughs> you have like, of course, like the OGKB, like all of these little ones that pop up with all these crazy followings. But I do, I'm, I'm not saying that the strain itself sucks. Cause I'm not saying that I'm just like, I think the hype behind it is overplayed and overblown is more how I would look at it. Totally. So if you could only smoke one land race variety for the rest of your life, what's it going to be? Oh my gosh. Hmm. I don't know. That I don't know. What would you pick? Whatever that Land Race tie Bodie gave me was. <laughs> you don't know what it was? Yeah, it was like Pearl tie. I think he said it was Lowland tie. And why why was this your pick? God, it's so good. Is, what what great. stood out? What about it stood out to you? Because it's like um, it's like what you wish Super Silver Haze was. It's like everyone's happy, you're happy. It's a good time. Is there any strains that you can think of that um, are like really really good but just don't get any attention? Blue Magoo. Straight up, number one. I love Blue Magoo. It's my favorite strain. Can you hear me? Okay, what what is it? It's um it's the it's it's made by an unknown grower from Oregon and it's a cross of blueberry and Williams Wonder F2. Um so pretty solid genetics in it and it's kind of like it's kind of perfumey in the same way that like Urkel is, but more of like a blueberry and roses type of thing as opposed to like a real, you know, like musky perfume in the way that Urkel is, I think. Yeah, that uh, the blueberry flavors can get kind of overwhelming at times, though. I'm Is it fan. you like it? We oh, God, we yeah. actually yeah we played with some blueberry. I I think we may that might be something we might revisit at some point. But when we did, we played around with the blueberry and the Urkel. We even have some blueberry, the Northern Lights by Blueberry somewhere. Um, but when we played with that Urkel by Blueberry, everything, it just smelled like a giant blueberry muffin in everywhere. It was like blueberry muffins all day long, and I just got really tired of that. There's a significant demand for that. <laughs> maybe we should maybe we should definitely consider looking back into that, because I could see maybe the Northern Lights by Blueberry being fun to play around with. You know, that might be something worth looking into. I think it's it's a cross that's been done by so many different breeders. It's going to be hard. Like, you know, I think a lot of people probably, like, for example, me, when I hear Northern Lights Blueberry, I'm like, oh, yeah, like one of the million Northern Lights Blueberries. Um, and that's just obviously like a, a knee-jerk reaction due to how many just rip-off companies there are offering that. Um, whereas I think the Urkel Blueberry would be really, really unique. And as far as I know, no one <coughs> offers that. 
Yeah, we have those too. We do. We've uh, we we grew actually a, a bunch of them out, and it was just like we were both so sick of it <laughs> when we were done. It was like ugh, that smell. Everything was just like a blueberry muffin. It was so overwhelming. You just really got sick of it. But I think we were sick of it, but I don't think anybody else was. It was just one of those things. And the T-Dub, the, the T-Dub lines are actually like that too because they're very, that citrus, the citrus scents and tones that they pick up are so heavy and dominant. It's like, it's so overwhelming for your palate at times. Yeah, okay. So lucky last question. If you could go back in time to any place, collect any seeds, which ones would you get? <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. That's actually a really good question. Would you go and grab the bundle of, uh, you know, because who knows how many seeds there were in the original Urkel or Lavender batch, but like, you know, go swoop them up or what are you thinking? No, I don't think I would. I don't think I would. I think I'd go. I don't. I don't know. I just. I. I. I think I'm ready to look look at something a little bit different too. Um, I don't know. It would. It, I'm not really sure. I think there's so much put behind um, everybody wanting certain strains and whatnot. I don't think I'm as obsessed as others are. So these kinds of questions, I think other people think about them quite regularly, and they, these aren't things that really have ever crossed my mind and I think it's just because um I've never really been into that whole uh, the strain craze uh like the research and who had what and what stories this I've just never really been that into it um I don't know and it, it would be hard for me to say if I haven't actually smoked this particular strain I can't see myself really wanting I don't know. I, I guess I'd have to have some sort of interest in it to say I would want those beans to play around with. And off the top of my head, nothing that I could particularly think of. I think everything that we currently have that I'd want to play around with, we have access to. But like I did say, though, I definitely want to get some awesome CBD strain in our in, in our collection to work through. But I don't know as far as that question. That one's tricky. Yeah, let's make that CBD thing happen. But I mean, I know I really, I really do. Yeah. So, I think that just might bring us about to the end of it. Did you have any comments or shoutouts you'd like to make? Um. Yeah. Actually, um, I'm curious too, though. What is it that you're currently working with? Like my current project, I'm doing. Yeah. What What strains are you currently working with? I'm doing. I'm finishing off the cube of the Phantom Crackers. So I'm pretty sure I sent you the BX ones. So I'm currently finishing the BX twos, and then I'll probably do the BX threes as well, depending on how the BX twos turn out. Like if they're if they're good enough, I'll just leave it at that. But you know, I I, I like the idea of finishing the project off where it should be. So um, just you know, in the sense that you know, statistic. I like how you know at a certain point you can statistically calculate it should have a certain amount of the parent within it and so yeah the cube seems like the the good end point but who knows but then i got some other stuff off in the the back that i'm toying with but not 100 percent sure yet i'm gonna maybe see where it goes there's so many possibilities when you start putting strains together you never really know when you're going to be done looking through them there's just so many possibilities it's fun yeah, for sure. And I mean, I need to take a page out of your book in regards to the um, 
the organization and the notes because I got a lot of good seeds, but some of those little baggies, the uh, the the writing on them, starting to fade. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I actually I, I I sit down about once a year. I pull our stock of seeds like that that all have different types of packaging and whatnot, and. I sit down and I will relabel and make sure because you notice after handling and whatnot, some of them will rub off or, yeah, totally. you know, you just don't want to lose what your seeds are. But too, like, like I was saying, we are, uh, you know, I hear these interviews and people can quote, you know, months and years and I can't, I would have to tell you right now, if you wanted to know these things, I would have to go into the other room and dig out. Uh, we have stacks of notebooks. Uh, I actually, I started out buying mad calendars with the big, you know, the desk calendar. So you have the big squares and he started out using those, but then he would fill up the entire note section and he needed more space. So I started buying notebooks. And what we do is each day that you do something, you write in the, you write your month, your day and the year. And you even write the day. Like if it's Saturday, you write down Saturday. So, you know, but you know, you can go back and reference each time. And we list, uh, like, if you're if you're feeding or you're giving them something, you write down what you're giving them, how much. Um, we get real specific. If you're doing any type of treatments of any kind, you write it down. We write everything down, and then we keep these stacks and stacks and notebooks, and it gives you, um, believe it or not, you don't use the majority of it, but it's really neat to look back through because you can find that you have a lot of knowledge there you, you, you completely forgot you had. And it tells you a lot about the strains you're growing. So we do. We're note keepers all the way. Yeah, killer. And oh, so, that's nice. yeah, you want any shout-outs or you want to wrap it up? Well, I would definitely like to thank you for, um, for interviewing me today. It's been fun talking to you. And thank you to my husband and my daughter. They're amazing. I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm nothing without those two. And seriously, I give all my credit to my husband because I've learned everything from him. He's just amazing, and I love him. Um, and, you know, too, all of our our amazing growers and supporters, um, all of the people that have grown our genetics are always so nice and kind to us. And, of course, we're nothing without them, so we appreciate all the support that they've given to us. Um Super special shout out to everybody in Australia. Like I was telling you, um, everyone in Australia is always so positive and they're such amazing people. Great growers too, I might add. Um, but one of the things I think everybody could learn from uh, just like online presence of the people in Australia, everybody is so kind. I have never, ever been trolled by somebody out of Australia and I just think that I just want to make that known <laughs> I absolutely love that and again I just would like to thank Dirt MD and C-Crop both of those guys are amazing um, their products are amazing and everybody should check them out and too like I said our homie Bang Mingo um, he keeps me in my concentrates when I'm out of anything else and He's too is likely to be um, a future business partner of um, me and Mad, so there's nice things coming to in our future hopefully too. And um, like I said, we got some local friends, the Genizen Project. They're out of Modesto. They operate both a medicinal and an adult use store. Um, they're called the Genizen Project, and I go to them too for concentrates when I need. Um, and they also actually do quite a nice selection process through our genetics, and they also uh, sell 
sell flowers of um, Mad Farmer Genetics out of their shop, too. So that's nice. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I appreciate my husband. He's taught me a lot, and he's just awesome and wouldn't be in this industry without him. And I really do appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. Killer. Yeah, so thanks so much for coming on. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, don't forget to tell how beautiful I think he is. Oh, yeah, and Mad said to tell you um, he <laughs> how beautiful you are. So a huge, huge, huge thank you to Mrs. Mad for taking the time to talk to us. Huge thank you to all of you guys for listening. sponsors seeds here now 420 australia organic gardening solutions you know them you love them they're the best big ups guys we love you and finally our patreon fans lifeblood of the show go check it out if you haven't already there's a dynasty interview up there you probably never heard about see ya